At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our series, Newish. Everything's changed. Have you? Where we're celebrating that in Christ, we have been given new life. The only question is, are you living it? Let's turn to Romans chapters 5 through 7 to decipher whether we're living in Christ's freedom or trapped in the patterns of our old life. Good morning. I want uh, just to acknowledge, and many of you know this, but uh, our family had the uh, privilege of taking our son Reed to college a few weeks ago. That was an exciting time. That was a strange time. That was a difficult time and everything in between. Now, it's interesting, as I look out over our church family, I see many people going, oh yeah, Yeah, I experienced that. That, That's no fun at all. (laughs) You see, that's not the reason I'm bringing this up. I'm bringing this up because we do, in fact, go through uh, seasons in our lives that bring change. Now, months before we dropped Reed off at his dorm room, uh, we also experienced a little bit of a change as a family. You see, we went through this thing that changed from a medical standpoint. A few months prior to his departure, Reed had turned 18, and so the papers needed to be signed so that we could continue to speak on his behalf when it comes to medical things. You see, he's 18 now, and so he can make those decisions on his own. But when he's away at college, should something happen, there's that opportunity that we would desire to be able to care for our son, and he felt the same way. So thankfully, uh, he signed those papers. But I highlight that because what happened is a change for us. In that moment, that was a change because for the first 17 years of Reed's life, really the first full 18 years of his life, what happened was we made those decisions on his behalf. As his parents, we were the ones who looked out for his best interests. We were the ones who represented his medical needs. But all that changes once a child becomes an adult. We no longer automatically serve as his representative. I might say, well, Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? Why are you talking about representation of your son's medical condition and medical needs? What we're doing is we're looking at a biblical truth today that speaks exactly to that point, the significance of representation. It goes far beyond a medical kind of perspective. It goes far beyond the political framework that we're familiar with when we talk about representation. It's a whole lot more significant than when, who we vote for and put in Lansing or who we vote for and put in Washington. It goes well beyond that. You see, the kind of representation that we're looking at today speaks of a spiritual authority. And it is critical for every single person here today. It's not just for the next guy. It's not just for the person that you invited to church today. It is true for every single person here today because what we're looking at is the magnitude of representation. The importance of this representation. 
what it means for you and for me as Christ followers. Now, we're going to be doing so by looking at a New Testament book called Romans. If you were here last week, you recognize that we kind of turned to that big book in the middle of the New Testament. It's actually a letter. It's a letter that was penned by a guy by the name of Paul. He was writing to the believers in a place called Rome. It's important for us to know that he was writing to both Jews and Greeks. He was writing to both sets of people. Now, as I mentioned last week, Romans, this, this writing, this letter that the Apostle Paul penned to uh, that group of people is theologically rich. It is robust when it comes to theology. It is doctrinally profound. It is life-giving and life-changing. That's what's going on in the book of Romans. Now, you might say, well, Pastor, how can you say that? Because what Paul is seeking to do is to get you and me to understand the very foundation, the bedrock of our faith. This is why the great reformer Martin Luther declares these words of Romans. He says, this letter to the Romans is truly the most important piece in the New Testament. It is purest gospel. It is impossible to read or to meditate on this letter too much. Luther says he can't do it. If all you read was the book of Romans, the letter that Paul penned to the church in Rome, over and over and over and over and over again, it wouldn't be enough. You'd never be able to mine the significance of what's there. But I do want you to know we're encouraging you to give it a shot. We're encouraging you to give it a try. We've created this Bible reading plan, and it's not for the whole Bible what it is over the course of the next number of weeks. It is a Bible plan that will read and work you through the book of Romans. If you are not already receiving it on your mobile device, you can go ahead and text that number. Yes, right in the middle of the sermon. Go ahead and text that number, 248 710 0710, and then you will receive that reading plan sent directly to your phone each morning. As I mentioned last week, I hope you will read it. I hope you will reflect upon the words of Roman. I am doing that in this season, and I hope that you would do that beyond what we cover here on a Sunday morning. We're certainly going to be digging deep into Romans over the course of the next few weeks, but I want to encourage you in your own time, in your own space, read and reflect on Romans. So, Newish. That's the name of our fall series. As we dive in, what I want you to recognize is that, as I always say, context is going to be important for what we're reading. We're jumping into five, six, and seven in the middle of this series. They're going to pause and then we're going to dig into eight. But you'd say, well, wait a second, what goes on in the first four chapters that brings us to that point? Well, in chapter one, Paul begins by establishing what is the good news? 
We just heard Martin Luther refer to it as the purest gospel, the purest good news. Paul declares that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's good news that brings salvation to all who believe. There's an important distinction there, and we're going to unpack that in just a little bit. But it's all who believe. Then in chapters 2 and 3, he kind of turns and hits really directly the pervasive nature of sin. And that all are guilty and turn away from God. Not some, not most, all turn away from God. And yet we can try to kind of prop ourselves up and do good works and do the right thing. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but that still is not enough in the eyes of a holy God. And then in chapter 4, in the beginning of chapter 5, things kind of turn for believers. They get much better. Paul communicates how it is that we are made righteous. And in what we looked at last week in Romans 5, chapter 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that's how we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are justified by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is so very good and is so foundational to the Christian life. That's why I'm spending just a moment to hit on that before we move into our text today. Because that is so important and it builds on what we're looking at today. So let's grab our Bibles now and let's begin reading today's text. We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 12, work our way all the way through verse 21. But what I do want you to know is we're going to kind of stop throughout the morning and we're going to bounce around a little bit and you'll understand as we do that. But I want to begin with just that first portion, Romans chapter 5. We're going to begin with just those first uh, three verses. Here's what Paul writes. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. And yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgressions of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. What we just read is a truth that causes a problem for all of us. If you didn't pick that up, I want to highlight that for you. What we've just read is something that causes a problem for everyone. That's men, that's women, that's children, and that is a problem throughout human history. It's a problem for all. The problem is, is our lives have been forever changed by one man and one act. Let me put it another way. We have all been represented by one man and he did not have our best interests in mind. In verse 3, Paul makes this bold statement. He said, sin entered the world through one man. Who is that one man? Adam. Yes, 
Adam, as in Adam and Eve. What he's referring to there is Genesis 3, where we read of Adam's sinful choice to take of that forbidden fruit and eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in doing that, Adam sinned. And when Adam sinned, you sinned and I sinned. We all sinned. And through that sin came death. So through Adam... Sin entered the human race. I want us to grab a picture of this, and I might be a bit sensitive, so if I offend, please forgive me. But I think this is a cultural picture that we can all understand in the season of time. We have all walked through the last year plus where COVID continues to ravage our world. So we are keenly aware of sickness and illness. The picture that I'd like you to have from this biblical truth is that of Adam bursting into the front door of your home and infecting you with sin. Everybody, sin. And death. When he enters in, he brings death. Church, this is something that has been discussed and considered and nuanced throughout the history of the church. It's something called original sin, that the death came to one man. And because he sinned, death comes to all men because they sinned. This is why the famous preacher Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones once said this. He said, it is our union with Adam that accounts for all our trouble. It is our union with Adam, it is our connection with Adam that accounts for all of our trouble. And this helps us see the first of two acts that we are going to find here in Romans chapter 5. The first one is this, in Adam, death reigns. In Adam, in his sin, death reigns. You see, through the sin of Adam in the garden, the sting of death now impacts everyone. Nobody gets out of it. There's not one person here who is protected from Adam's sin in and of yourself. Death entered the world through that one man, and then it spread through that one man. This is why in verse 12 says, death spread to all men. It's right there. It's not my opinion. It's not what I would like to say to you today. This is not joy-filled information that I get to share with the masses on this particular part of the text. And yet it's true. But how could Paul say that? I mean, how could Paul say that death spread to all men? He's already answered the question because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. Church, Adam stood as a representative for all humanity in the garden, and Adam failed. He failed. So it's because of Adam that we're all sinners. It's because of Adam that we're all going to die. The sin, the guilt, the death, it's all there and it's all found in 
Adam. Now, this is the kind of encouragement you guys get up for on a Sunday morning, isn't it? I mean, you're like, man, I am so thankful that I came to church today. I mean, really, this is some kind of good news. The good news is coming. But let's track with this a little bit longer. See, it's important for us to hear this. It's important for us to recognize the significance of original sin and the significance of Adam's sin because this explains what you and I experience when we turn on the news. When we saw all those images from 20 years ago, this is the explanation. Every time you have been wronged by someone, this is the explanation. Every time death takes someone that you love, this is the explanation. It is a direct impact because of Adam's sin. You guys think that's bad news? You guys, seriously, that's a question. You guys think that's bad news? It gets worse. It's not just other people. Sin is your master and my master too. That is why we struggle with temptation every time we wake up. That is why you and I struggle and and push away from covetousness or the desire to steal in our own hearts. This is what's going on and why we are tempted to lust or to cheat. These are the temptations that you and I face every single day. Because All of humanity is in need of a rescue from the sin and the death that Adam brought into our world. But he didn't just bring it, he spread it as well. But I do have good news. Let's return to the text. We're going to skip down a few verses to see the second act that is found in Romans chapter 5. We're going to skip down to verses 18 through 21. Therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the man will be made right, the many will be made righteous. Now the law The law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign throughout the righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We skip down a few verses to see the clear contrast that the Apostle Paul is making. In Adam, he brings sin into our world. In Jesus, he brings grace. Do you guys see the contrast? 
I love how Paul makes this abundantly clear. In verse 18, he reiterates the power of Adam's sin. He establishes the darkness. One trespass led to the condemnation for all men. There it is. Contrast that with this reality. So one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. That one man is Jesus. That one act is death on a cross. That one outcome is righteousness. It is righteousness. And church, this shows us the second act. That in Jesus, grace reigns. Through Jesus, who is the Christ, God's grace reigns in the life of the believer. Grace reigns. I want to unpack this verse by verse, line by line, as we work through that portion of our text. So let's, I want you to have your Bibles ready. We're going to look at 19 and then 20 and then 21. So here we go in verse 19. For as by the one man's disobedience, again that is Adam, that many were made sinners. So by that one man's obedience, who is that? That many will be made righteous. You see, because Jesus was faithful to die on a cross in our place, he makes believers righteous. In verse 20, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. (laughs) I love that. You see, the law reveals the magnitude and the weightiness of sin, and that is so important that we grab a hold of that. the grace of God. The grace of God that is found only in Jesus Christ covers over all of that and more. (laughs) And finally in verse 21, as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign throughout the righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see where sin reigns there's death. But through the obedience of Christ, through the obedience of Jesus, grace now reigns. It's so important that every single person here today understands this truth, that we grab a hold of this truth, that it is a foundational truth for everyone here. If you are in Christ, if you have responded to the gospel, to the good news of Christ crucified, died, and raised to life as the payment for your sin, then God's grace reigns in your life. Not because of you, not because of your actions, but because of Him. You see, Jesus is our new representative. Jesus is the new representative for all who believe. And what's happening there is this trade that you and I make. It's the best trade we could ever make. We give up our sin. He gives us his righteousness. Instead of punishment that we deserve, 
He gives us grace. He showers us with grace. And instead of death, we get life. We get life in Christ. You see, it is through faith in Jesus that his obedience has become your representation before a holy and righteous God. Church, that is good news. That is the kind of news that you want to hear when you come to church on a Sunday morning. Jesus is your representative. It is through his active obedience that Christ stands as the representative for all who have faith in him. In him. I'm going to say this one more time because I think it helps make this clear distinction and Paul makes this distinction so clearly in here in, in Romans 5. I want to say it again. Jesus stands as the representative for all who have faith in him. What I didn't say is that Jesus stands as a representative for all. What I didn't say is that Jesus stands as a representative for all and the cross covers everybody. I didn't say that because that's not what Scripture teaches. I didn't say that because that is not what the Apostle Paul is teaching here in Romans. Let's return to the text to see exactly what this means. We're going to read verses 15 through 17. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, how much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one Christ Jesus abounded for many? And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. We've looked at that multiple times. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. Five times in that text, he mentions that phrase, free gift. Why would he do that? Because he's seeking to communicate emphasis, importance. He wants us to get it. It is a free gift. It is a free gift. Five times he mentions it. The apostle wants everyone to know and understand the free gift of God's grace through the union that we have in Jesus. And that is what covers our sin But how do we receive the free gift? How do you and I grab a hold of that free gift? We repent. We acknowledge that we have been influenced and impacted by Adam and that we need the free gift of God's grace. We repent of our sin and believe in Jesus. That's how we receive the free gift. 
So let me summarize. We've seen two acts today. The first act is that in Adam, sin and death reign. And the second act is that in Christ, grace reigns. To put another way, we can live according to the ways of the world with death reigning in our lives, connected with Adam as our representative, or we can live according to the way of grace and truth through faith in Christ. But this is a question that we must all respond to. Who rules and reigns in your life? In you, who reigns? Friends, will you receive the love and the forgiveness and the salvation that is found in the free gift? Will you surrender control of your life, turn from your sinful ways, and instead turn to Jesus so that he might represent you before a holy God? Church, Jesus is the only representation that you can trust completely because he is the one who overcame sin and overcame death on the cross. And it is in him that grace reigns supreme. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.